0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another all-new Exodus for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the many adventures of Marvel's mutants and more week after week through their many vaunted titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And today we're covering soldiers from all sorts of angles. We're going to start things off with cable number nine before making our way over to a collection of issues released in the last handful of years under the banner of Weapons Plus. Now, first up, we have Josh, Drew, Arturo, and Evelyn talking about the most recent issues of Cable, and I've really enjoyed their conversation. Now, as a man in a polycule whose partners are actually a part of this show, regular contributor Jonah and co-contributor Kevo, it's really incredible for me to hear people speak so open-mindedly and positively on representation of something that you just couldn't even imagine seeing 10 years ago. Now, beyond that, the team does discuss some of the major changes going on in the title of Cable right now, where it appears we might be inbound for the old man to return Turn. We'll let you guys listen, decide, and we hope you enjoy this next segment.
1: Welcome back to X is for Podcast. This week we're going to be looking at Cable number nine, written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Phil Noto and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. Kid Cable is on the hunt for Old Man Strife, but Old Man Cable's interrogation techniques don't seem to be working for him. So he turns to his daughter, who is older than him, for help on the case. With me today, I have. Drew Arturo and Evelyn Drew say hello and tell us where we can find you hey guys I'm Drew
2: you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drewsifer3 that's at D-R-E-W-S-I-P-H-E-R-3
3: and I'm Arturo you can catch me over at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram where you can find me literally playing with toys
4: hi I'm Evelyn the comic canary you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at comic underscore canary
3: and
1: I'm Josh Wheel. As always, you can find me at Asleep at the Wheel, W E I L, on Twitter and at Asleep at the Wheel.com. And for the next two years as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in the state of Florida, you can find me across all social media at Wheel, the number four, U.S. Senate, and at org Everybody was scared of the old man. Nobody is scared of the kid.
3: Can't argue with that.
1: We opened issue nine with those anonymous remarks and then we get a freaking sweet James Bond style spy scene with Cable and Esme and I could do Cable and Esme like running around spy antics all day long I thought that was fantastic um Cute and made. one of yes um, but how did everyone else feel about the start? Evelyn, how would you feel about the start of Cable Number 9?
4: Well, like I said, just a cute date. Um, I, I recently just watched Iron Man 3, so AIM is, like, right on my mind, too. So I'm just like, AIM, cool, shout out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought the antics were really fun and lovable.
3: It's crazy how much they've done a good job of selling me on these little stubborn relationships because I – fully buy the Quentin Quire Phoebe thing and I completely love this Cable as thing I think at the onset when you heard that Cable was going to be dating the five stepford hukus I think a lot of people kind of did an eye roll and weren't really sure what to make of it but they've actually done a good job of, of making it sweet and, and like a like a cute little relationship.
2: If you can kind of compare it to the, the X Factor issue with Quentin Quire and Phoebe we have been talking I can't remember which one it was on but we talked about similarities between Cable and and, um Quentin Choir in relations with the with the goose. Uh, and yeah, I just thought this scene was kind of like an interesting juxtaposition to that.
1: Yeah, and let, let's go into one of the more shocking revelations in the reign of X, that Quentin Choir is a better boyfriend than Kid Cable. <laughs> who saw that coming?
4: Not me. <laughs> yeah,
3: I can't even I can't even accept that premise, but I think you're I think a case could be made. Yeah, but God but like, this well, sounds I, horrible. I, I loved
1: the family scene. The, the, the Scott and Emma and their whole family dynamic off. Uh, Those are my favorite thing across the whole line whenever they pop up in any issue.
4: Same. But man,
1: that line Emma delivered at the end of that scene, bad news, darling, the boy would rather throw himself into the ocean than be with you at the moment, was... Uh Brutal
3: and, yeah, and accurate, see it, see it. And, accurate. and
2: accurate. I don't. I don't see it like that. Like that's a, like. I feel like that's a very negative way to look at it. I it's see it as he, literally he has literally
3: what happened.
2: No, like, but he, it's it's not. It's there's these missing babies that he's trying to find. He has important shit to do than staying on a yacht with
1: his family. I still
2: think like, So, so I think this is great
3: on the yacht than than on his own legs. But because
1: I, I think this is great because <laughs> Drucifer is our kid cable now. Um, <laughs> Drew is gonna to be our Kid Cable (laughs) because this goes to just the the depth of of characterization that we've been really lauding Jerry Duggan for over the past few months across his titles, really going out of his way to get these accurate and unique voices for characters that are not middle-aged, cis-het, white male, which has, you know, in across the comic industry is the hardest thing for middle-aged, cis-het, white males to write. I could totally buy and understand Kid Cable's... Angle on this, just like Drew said, from when I was younger. And then Duggan spun it around and showed us exactly what the women saw, which was also 100% true and accurate. And I think why, you know, young men tend to have relationship problems a lot.
4: Because there's lot nothing of- complicated <laughs> about this relationship.
2: I was going to say, are you saying I have a relationship problems? Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I have this as a high school teacher, you know, I have these conversations with the girls a lot. And I'll be like, you have to understand, like, all boys are stupid, right? I'm not saying he can't read or that he's not good at math, like, but he's a boy and all boys are stupid
4: and especially Esme like you gotta like have the talk with her it's like look honey you're dating your mother's boyfriend's son hmm
3: well and I love that we've all accepted that Scott and Emma are still kind of a thing like I love the only way that the whole thing with Jean Grey and Logan makes sense to me is it being a polycule not just the three of them but kind of the four of them and I love that that's all just really subtextual because you don't see like Scott and Emma and Emma doing anything overt, but it's there. You know what I mean? It's, we've been it's getting a lot of, read
1: it. we've been getting a lot of Gene and Logan making out lately.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody mentions it. You know what I mean? Like Gene is, if I swear to God, if I see Gene Grey washing dishes one more time in the Dawn of X, I'm going to lose my mind, but you <laughs> see her there at the summer's house, like being, you know, Carol Brady and it's, you know, weird, but cute. And then in, you know, in, in X-Force, you'll see her making out with Logan and nobody says anything about it so it's just there in the subtext for everyone to like if you want to read it as a polycule that's what's happening and I love this like seeing Scott and Emma I ship them so hard like when Morrison made Jean Grey and Scott break up I thought that was such a crazy move but I really respected it and I really saw it like I, I really felt like that was such a valid read Um, and I think Scott and Emma brought out the best in each other for a good long while so mm-hmm. I will ship them till the end of time and if I can't have them as, a, as just a regular couple I'll, I'll take what I can get here as this uh this poly poly situation of the future.
2: Yeah see I like I like Scott with both Gene and Emma. Like I'm a weirdo like that. Um so I think that this kind of dynamic it's like
1: the best of all both, you know what I mean everyone gets to be with everybody it's just like a big happy family. Yeah. I think I think uh the entire X's for podcast crew has uh, been very vocal about supporting the the, uh, the polycule
4: well what I love is it's portrayed as a healthy relationship like there's not any jealousy going on there's not any manipulation that we can really see with people it's shown as a healthy relationship and that itself is revolutionary in comics right like if gene
3: Gene and logan were sneaking around i think that would make so much more of a stink than what's happening right now Mm -hmm. and i know some people don't like it and i know and you know frankly they can die mad about it who cares but you know i uh i i think it's it's there's a lot to what you're saying it's the fact that it's like healthy and honest and open is is just a very different thing from what we've seen in comics.
1: And I think last thing I want to say about um, the family scene on the boat, when Emma approached Cable about it, so when Emma approached him about, you know, why are you not, you know, there's an Omega telepath in the house, why are you? It, to me, there was an extra layer there about Emma respecting Jean, you know, not in the past, you know, that, you know, well, she can do things, Jean can't, or, you know, that she's just as powerful or capable, um, but this kind of loving respect of Jean as a more powerful telepath. Um because face it, when push comes to shove, um, you know, Jean has Jean has shown to be the most powerful of them all. Um, I like how Leah always refers to it as, you know, Jean's the sledgehammer and Emma's the scalpel.
4: Oh I like that. But,
1: um but uh that that respect that we kind of see from Emma on Jean talking about her as a telepath I thought was a nice touch as well to how comfortable they all are together now. Oh for sure. Next up we go to Madraport where Uh, Kid Cable and this is this is the point where I'm going to I think I'm going to jump in here with my my criticism of this issue and just kind of the Cable story arc in whole because I I have some things to say about this and and it's not a knock on Doug's I think Duggan's doing a fantastic job it's much more an editorial ex-office thing but Cable fucking up Logan's spot just walking in there and messing up the whole situation and not reading it right at all to talk to a guy that he lives with and could like see and talk to like anytime
3: (laughs) hold on Logan I didn't see Logan. No, no, no. You you must have gotten mixed up. This guy's name is Patch. Totally different character. <laughs>
1: totally different character. Um, was really frustrating for me because... I felt like the X office spent so long trying to convince us that this version of Cable was badass and great. Like they spent the whole first year, year and a half of, you know, the whole Dawn of X run really trying to sell us on Kid K being legit because there was all the clamor and people who didn't like him or, you know, uh, other podcasts referring to him as dial up. Um, And I was, as soon as we got X-Men 1 and we got the whole family on the moon and it was like, Scott gets to have his son, and you know, and he's yelling across the house like
0: mom can i have a sword
1: <laughs> like i was in right there like whatever my feelings were from but you know they still kept trying to really sell us on this idea that you know like this cable took out old man cable like this you know this young version is you know just as clever and sharp and he's fought apocalypse and i'm assuming he's basically pulled like from right in between adventures of cyclops and phoenix and Ascani son because he meets his wife in ascani's i'm pretty sure that hasn't happened yet so like but wherever he's from in the timeline, right? That this is a legit version of Cable. And then ever since X of Swords, they've been backtracking on it. And I feel like making him sillier and bumbling and more incompetent each issue. I as like, like they're trying to sell us on like, this Cable isn't good enough. I mean, we got it right at the start. The issue opened with everyone was scared of the old man, nobody kid. Right? Like mm-hmm. they're really trying to sell us on like, up oh, like Kid Cable just can't cut it. We got to bring back the old man. And I, I hate hate when it's done this way because when you try so hard to sell me the first time and then I buy in you make me feel stupid for buying in when you turn around and then trying to like resell me on the opposite this issue kind of really brought that all to the forefront of like man like they could they have made him any more incompetent throughout this issue like everywhere he went was a mess after the opening
3: spicy i totally agree with that i mean I, I it does feel like we're being jerked around a little bit as far as like our expectations and and uh our perceptions of him as a character and i don't know i mean i guess if you look you know if you look at the numbers or whatever like we've had kid cable for a few years now i think the inevitability of old man cable coming back is has always been a thing but i feel like now maybe we're gonna just jump to that stage without having really done anything different with kid cable cable like it felt like uh, you know to your point uh with x of swords we were building him up he got the sword the light of galador uh, he's on on sword now like it feels like he's being built up and it feels now like editorially things are going to be things are going to shift and we're going to get back to an old man cable and i feel like we're not getting the payoff that we could have had also i wouldn't mind seeing like a you know mid-20s cable <laughs> like i guess his name is nate gray if you go into that uh you know that that time frame but like i don't think we need to go from teen to old man like there's so much more story that could be told you know though so I'm not really sure what's going on with that
4: I fully agree because I was so excited in X of swords when he got the full tarot card and they're like this isn't what it means it means more than that and it shows that he has more coming and that he's going to have to come into his own and prove himself but he has that potential and we have that potential for even greater Greater stuff, But I agree. It feels like we are going back from pre sort of X where he's not like the greatest character who is the smartest or the most badass where it's it's like they're playing into those teen stereotypes where he is a teenage boy and he's making these stupid little mistakes that old man Cable never would. So we got to get him back. But it feels just like they've gone from one extreme to the other rather than making it a little bit more more flowy I guess
3: yeah Um, I I
2: agree yeah I haven't actually I I just I've never really thought about it because those first couple issues take place uh like so long ago but you do have to remember we still have three issues left of this series
1: so you know it could ramp up yeah and it's interesting that they (laughs) telegraphed that you know this is you know outside of the 20 pages of story but that Marvel released and telegraphed and showed like hey here's the cover for cable 12 the final issue coming soon you know with both faces on it you know old and young cable. Like really putting that in your mind before this even starts because, you know, the way you market these things and control your marketing is part of the storytelling. Like it's the reason why, you know, 18 months after The Eternals was supposed to come out, we still haven't seen the first trailer because the MCU refuses to drop the trailer until they've shown the last movie, Black Widow. They don't want to start hyping people for some. They only hype one thing at a time. Black Widow never came out. So we've been sitting here on the finished film (laughs) there's no trailer for like that's their marketing and their understanding of it and so you know you can't say that they didn't know like or that it's not doesn't affect the story like they're clearly telegraphing I think unless there's going to be some big spin about upset like unless it's some big fake out they're clearly telegraphing the return of old man cable Mm -hmm. and then like Drew said like there's four more issues of story of young man cable like it feels almost dishonest or like we're being cheated out of some story to already be like hyping the return of old man while you still want us to buy the next four issues of young man not only
2: that but we also we also have like his involvement with sword which we haven't really seen him in yet i'm guessing we like but like that's kind of the question is what's going to happen with him with sword that we never really even saw him in like is old man cable going to take that over or kind of what's the situation
4: yeah he just kind of shows up in sword but doesn't really do anything which is disappointing because i would love to see him interacting more there as well yeah, yeah
1: I mean, of I, I felt I like it could be a great place for him to kind of stretch his legs and really kind of start showing off and developing separately from the old version of Cable we had, you know, outside of the shadow of his family. But that's not what we've gotten at all. We've just gotten, and some of that could just be tie-in timing, but, you know, we've just gotten him taken over by Null, and that's pretty much it.
3: <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, King King and Black, we enter, what, the 83rd month of King and Black? <laughs>
1: but so K- uh, kid cable totally messes up logan spot any thoughts on that particular scene
2: so one thing um i guess it's kind of another issue that i have but this is like a personal problem and it's not just with comics it's kind of with any media i'm not a huge fan of this i have to do this i have to do this i have to do this to get this it's like I, star wars does it this issue does it what was the point of this logan scene then if no, like nothing really came out of it other than like there's no, there's really no point of it it's just filler space to fr- wait for him to get to the end
3: got a lot Lot of fun little cameos from other corners of, of the x universe which I thought was fun but yeah I felt like that you could rip these the two pages of Wolverine out and it literally wouldn't make any difference to the story
2: yeah or even you could have changed the story and been like it could have instead of Wolverine it could have been someone else you know like it's it's, it's just a scene to you know what I mean to progress
1: cable to find what he's looking for in the end and it didn't even really progress him because then no. he just went back to his sister and asked her like hey do a scan for me again we'll start from square mm-hmm. one it was just two pages Pages to show us that Cable is competent and doesn't do it right. Like it and, made and, him look like a bumbling amateur. Well,
3: and it and definitely it sets six, up or like for a Logan times to it, it sets up for Logan to show up, you know, in the big final battle or whatever, and throw hands and and it'll make Maybe sense. Let's be honest. It, oh, if we didn't have, have
0: these two pages, nobody would give a shit. Yeah. If Logan and Logan, shows Logan just up, showed up, Logan shows up in, in the big
1: fight, when anyone's. No. Yeah. Totally. No. Totally. We
3: just useless expect... pages.
1: Logan just shows up to fight people.
4: That's what he does. Can I disagree slightly? Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like I. I
4: like I don't completely disagree with what you're saying but I guess I read it differently with what the purpose of it was where I felt like all of these scenes coming up and like the Wolverine scene and the Rachel scene and the magic scene like all of them to me read as he is truly utilizing all of his resources and he still can't find this guy that's kind of how the way I read it where he's truly trying to utilize all of his resources because this nemesis this enemy is so So tough and he needs to
2: help. he won't go to his mom
4: though. He won't go to his mom though. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But But at least he's like trying in other ways. The way he did it with Wolverine showed him as incompetent. I don't disagree with that at all. I just felt that the reason it was there was he's trying to utilize his resources, even if it's asking his mom's other boyfriend, because it's just, it's not as incompetent as I think other people read it, but I still read it as, I don't know if I'm explaining this right at all.
1: No, I do like that he has a lot more relationships than old Cable because old Cable was always so gruff. Yeah, that too. Um, that, you know, this Cable has networked a lot. You know, he's he's everywhere. Like he's, you know, he's the younger version that, yeah, you know, he's got friends everywhere and he talks to people. And that is one of the strengths of this character, I think, that has been different from what we saw with the old man. That him getting to grow up in a safe place as a younger version of himself, right, made him much more accessible to other people. But yeah, the, the the scene in particular with Logan just made me groan.
3: Yeah, I mean there's there are decisions that have been made with Kid Cable that I I wonder about because I see what you're saying about like now that he's in this different context, he doesn't have that, you know, he's not all battle-hardened and has this like rough exterior. I feel like it's a missed opportunity not to, even in these situations where where he's in a safer environment or whatever, still kind of echo those those little cable isms that you know that we need from the old man Cable or like from 90s Cable. Uh, I think it would have made a little more sense to see that as like something that you know that was part of his personality even before he he was old man Cable. You know what I mean? Like if he was like no. keeping like uh, like a detailed like uh you know journal right of his thoughts or whatever like that's something that old man Cable would do right? Um
1: And, and we know from Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix like we saw him growing up. We've seen Cable growing up as a boy mm-hmm. and we know that they lived on the run and they lived in secret and like if there was any you know youth here who should know how to like read a moment or move in stealth it should be he shouldn't just be you know this kind of like bumbling into a bar and messing everything up type of you know farcical character here um yeah it it makes me sad you know he's not josh brolin cable he's uh (laughs) timothy chalamet
3: cable or something i'm sorry That's pretty good casting. Is it. it is that's, actually. That's pretty spot on. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I both love and hate Timothy Chalamet. I don't know how else to explain it, but I would absolutely both love and hate him as Cable. <laughs> That would fit. That would work. Which I think is good casting.
1: I'm waiting for Dune so hard, um, and I really um, hope. I really I hope. Have, I really hope he doesn't make me hate Dune.
2: I, I'm not holding my breath. I have the biggest crush on Timothy Chalamet, so I'm, I'm here for.
4: <laughs> he just. He radiates twink energy. I'm sorry. I love him. Oh, yeah. I think he's a great actor, but he, it just. He does. He does. It just. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah Meanwhile, at the boneyard, we have I think one of my favorite interactions in this whole issue uh kid cable with his sister rachel Mm
1: -hmm. i love every interaction with his sister rachel but this one was particularly good because of not just what rachel brings up where she directs the story but the way she does without like ever saying it like the way she does that kind of this illusion that lets every ex-reader kind of like make the very quick connection on their own and be like oh
3: yeah, yeah, totally. I felt like uh, uh like Leo DiCaprio, like doing the pointing. I'm like, oh, she's talking about Inferno. It's Inferno, you guys. And it's just great because it's never even mentioned. Like either you know or you don't know. There's no editor's note or anything. It's just you know. See,
2: I, I am not there yet, so I hadn't like I. She said demons, so I'm like, oh, magic and stuff. But I like I'm I haven't reached Inferno yet, so I'm I actually had to look look up the next part, and then I was like, oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, it was a little bit of a spoiler,
1: <laughs> but I mean. I'm not the biggest fan of Inferno. I think it's kind of overrated and uh, long. Yeah. It is when you go back and reread it. It is so many issues of comics, but it, it's it's seminal as well.
3: Yeah, and it was also it, like one of the piece. one of the earlier you know line wide crossovers like that 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 really pulled at the at the threads of the the X Office. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm with you though. I think it is a little overrated. There's a lot of like goofy ghostbuster y you know demons overrunning New York stuff that I think is kind of uh, just not not my not my bag um but there are some great stuff there's some great stuff it's it's like yeah it was the
1: first time they went really big on a line wide Mm -hmm. and so you know it wasn't just like x-men and x-factor or x-men and x-factor and even adding new mutants in like it was a whole arc in new mutants it was lead up in x-men and x-factor and preludes it was uh, a side miniseries in exterminators it was a tie-in in in excalibur it was like there was so much so many comics so after rachel we go visit Ilyana, who shall now forever be known as the beyonce of limbo
4: oh my god that was amazing dad
1: i love Ilgana so much. He's just the best. And, and a nice little call back to Inferno again with Nastir. Mm-hmm. So the last
2: time we saw him was in Second Coming. Again, he has the uh, he had the techno-organic virus
1: um, and then obviously with Inferno, he has like a history with Cable, but as a baby. Oh yeah, you gotta go back and read all of the OG New Mutants.
2: I also love how like their torture for Nastir is them playing the like the recorder to... Um,
4: oh my god. My I thought I also, was gonna cry. I was laughing so hard.
2: Yeah, or like it should be like um, my Heart will go on, or something
4: like that, <laughs> <laughs> including those vocals,
1: yeah. <laughs> And after Limbo, Kid Cable goes to the Wild Hunt, which I had forgotten kind of was the name of a specific part of the island because I've just been thinking of it as the name of the new mutants Sark lately. <laughs> but goes to the Wild Hunt to find Wildside. And all right, so Cable beat Wildside, right? But should Wildside have ever gotten like up on Cable the way he did early? Like, should he have taken Cable down and like been holding him underwater, drowning him? Like, is that in a Cable Wildside fight, should there be any back and forth? Like, it should just be forth. It should just be Cable like bitch slapping Wildside at his leisure. And it was another one that felt a little disingenuous to, you know, really push that, you know, kind of incompetent can't cut it line that we're seeing. And this was another scene, you know, there, we got a lot of repetition of it throughout this issue that, you know, Kid Cable doesn't cut it. And just none of them really felt honest to me. Like they felt like they're just having him mess up out of character In order mm. to be able to say, look, he's a mess
3: up. Yeah, like I found myself rooting for Wild Child, which is not something I ever thought I would hear myself say. But not Wild
1: Child. He is um, Wild Puppy in Hellions. Sorry, this is Wild Side. Sorry,
3: sorry. Slip of the tongue. We're top. back
1: to the. Well, this this is why they let Bendis House of, you know, no more mutants at the end of House of M because there were, you know, like five thousand mutants <laughs> that all had similar names and no one could keep track of them. But now we're embracing it. We're embracing all of the bad similar names
3: again yeah but i was just kind of like man like why are you beating up wild Side? like he just because he used to ride with that guy like come on you know yep it, it, it just felt uh it, you know I, I understand he's like turning over every rock and looking you know i get it but it uh it just didn't seem i don't know it didn't seem yeah, like the he's... strategic move and that's something that i think they've stripped of cable is his like ability to be yes strategic and smart and you know manipulative like cable tactical. was a little bit yeah tactical cable was a little bit of a, you know, a little chess master when it came to, like, manipulating the new mutants and turning them into X-Force and, like, this one, just, this cable has none of that. He's, this cable we even is even saw that man. in
1: X of Swords. In X of Swords, in his battle with Bay we saw that. He was incredibly tactical in the way that he was maneuvering her not just to win, but to position it so that way, you know, he was getting her in the throat while Doug was directly behind her so Doug wouldn't see the cut, like, and then he froze because he saw Doug and, like, like the more human, less damaged side of him, you know, stalled enough that Bay got him. But he was incredibly tactical in the way he managed and, like, if Doug wasn't there, he'd have killed Bay. And we're not that far off from X of Swords where, you know, that cable is now this one, who I have in my notes as a sad, lost puppy this whole issue. But then he, someone comes to save the day.
0: <gasps>
3: and I love her. Yeah, this, that it's was a, a, nice, a nice surprise that I didn't see coming. I mm-hmm. knew we were going to get her soon like
1: especially as they've been going through like you know Cable's greatest sidekicks tour with you know from Deadpool to Domino to We've been getting a lot of characters. So we've got two very important pages that finish this up. One is a picture that I don't understand of a maybe not dead old man Cable lying on the ground somewhere with some skeletal remains around him saying he's out there somewhere sometime. He's our best weapon to stop strife now and in the future. And I don't really know what that means. And then we get a page that I do love because you all know that like the lore pages get me get me wet. The lore pages are my jam. And this issue on the resurrection protocols for duplicates, for clones, for time traveling doubles, for versions from alternate dimensions. Ooh, <laughs> I love is, it. This is this is the type <laughs> of stuff I love. Thoughts on these final two pages of cable?
2: So I have a question, kind of that, like, what thing that I've been wondering is like, if they go to the future and grab him, then can we have both cables? We can we
1: have them? until one. My Eyes, understanding,
2: and then we wouldn't wreck it. We wouldn't resurrect them. We would just keep the old. Like, let's just say young cable died and we
1: would would keep old man cable and that would be that my understanding is yes exactly what you just said we can have them both but when the first one dies there's no resurrection so
2: like that's that would kind of be my my thing is why don't they just go to the future get old man and then like they have both and then hopefully die
1: yeah but if if he dies now and not in extermination like don't you fuck up the whole time stream again like don't Mm, you i mean when it comes to like do you need to get an alternate dimension
3: Cable? Like, like let's to be honest like kid cable killing old man cable should have ripped a hole in the space-time continuum like flat out not like,
1: as much as old man cable killing kid cable would have like it's not looper
3: yeah i see <laughs> what you're saying but so what so i guess we're supposed to believe that everything that l- right until cable died still happened him being killed by his younger self didn't erase anything
2: that's kind of how i've been thinking about it um and that's kind of like how i'm trying to i don't know i'm trying to rectif- like figure things out
1: yeah are we supposed to believe that the Cable, who came back in New Mutants '86, um, has memory of when he was younger and like sleeping with all the Stepford Cuckoos um, right. in the Krakoan future that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Or is
2: this Cable? Is the old man Cable before Kid Cable killed him in the last run? Like the last.
3: I don't know. I mean, one one of the things I love the most about um, Messiah Complex, getting back to you know Hope and and Cable's connection.
1: That's some very good X Men comics right there. That's
3: some great X Men comics, and it really kind of resolidified. Cable as this man out of time, you know, hopping through the time stream, trying to do his best or whatever. And, uh, and I love that. I love when, when they, when they kind of stripped him back down to that, you know, that or that like daddy cable. I mean, keep in mind, like cable protecting hope, that, you know, that's, that predates the Mandalorian protecting Grogu, right? Like that was, that was that same vibe that kind of like. Long wolf and Cub. Yeah. Wolf and Cub. That kind of, you know, samurai mm-hmm. story. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that was. Such a cool thing with Cable that, like, when it comes to him and time travel and you know, uh, like, the inconsistencies, I try not to just like worry about it too much. You know, it's like with Cable, that to me is kind of like his secondary mutation. It's like I know that he's only time traveled like through technology or whatever, but it's like part of his his you know genèse quoi.
1: Yeah, I I don't like Cable as much when he's like Terminator time cop, like coming to the past to protect the future. Like I I've always liked him more just knowing that he's okay, whatever, like the future stuff is done and he's just here now, but like, he's choosing to interact and stay in the time, like when his dad and his family lived at like this era, you know, and he's made these relationships with the younger, the X-Force ones or whatever. And he wants to look out for them even from afar, like that, that he is this, you know, one of the older leaders along the X line. Cause for a while it was like, he was at like Xavier level of like one of the varying, like kind of old elder statesman leaders of a team. Um, And that you know, Like he choose to play that role in this time because he wants to be as opposed to the time cop stuff. See, as much as I
4: do like the time cop stuff, for me, I just, I've stopped fucking with time travel and trying to understand it. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, this is the rules for this particular story. Whatever. Let's go for it. That's where I just, I just don't even try to think about it. Like, as much of a science nerd as I am, I'm very much on the biology side, not the astrophysics side. So I just like, I'm just like, whatever. Whatever you say goes. I don't care.
1: Well, yeah, and so yeah. let's say, like, I am very glad that that page of that, that full page splash of Old Man Cable at the end was the last page of the story, because most of the Kid Cable stuff, like, I don't spend too much time thinking about it, because his timeline is incredibly, you know, uh, timey-wimey, like, complex right now. It's very Jeremy Baramey, as uh, I think people yes. put it. Um, but yeah, like, that image there of, like, wait, they're gonna go bring in a live version bat, like, from when he's old, but not, like, back, was definitely kind of of made me think of stop it like it brought it to my attention in a way where I had to like stop and think about the kid cable timeline or the cable timeline Um that I'm glad it wasn't in the middle of the comic because it would have taken me out of the story if there was more story to
3: come yeah I, I don't know what's coming next Uh you know going back to the, the data pages as many mutants as we have in this you know ever widening cast of characters uh I always have room in my heart for a couple of clones so yeah I, I, I want to see Strife back on page you know uh Justice for Madeline Pryor I think I am and the only person in the world that wants to resurrect Joseph, the Magneto clone. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about the clones, so it's interesting that they have some of these rules, and it also seems like those rules are, you know, they're they're play, playing fast and loose with some of those rules.
1: Yeah, because it's it's hard, you know, it's it's a big topic in New Mutants with Gabby because Gabby is a very different type of clone. Like Gabby is her own unique person that happens to have been made from DNA. You know, almost. Mm-hmm. I so- mean, Gabby and Laura are pretty much like a, a Parthenogenesis type of clone, you know, like the Doctor's daughter and Doctor Who. Like, mm-hmm. it's a completely different, unique person, just made out of the same—not a copy of the DNA, but made from the DNA. Because you... they're not identical. They're not identical twins. They're not—they're not identical clones in that way.
3: Yeah, but you can well, say the didn't... same thing about Madeline Pryor. You can say the same thing about Joseph. I mean, mm-hmm. he was his own. Madeline episode. Pryor
1: and Jean. Madeline Pryor and Jean are like have identical twin DNA. Laura and Logan do not.
4: Well, like, look at the cuckoos. Like, they are identical. And for the longest time, they were portrayed as having the exact same personality. But we slowly got to see different personalities as we got to know the cuckoos more. And now, even with them all, like, dating Cable, they still have different personalities within that relationship and what they're doing. And we even have Phoebe being like, eh, rather fuck Kid Omega. Yeah,
3: I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was sad when we went from five cuckoos to four to three, but then I really embraced the three you know mm-hmm. paradigm mm-hmm. and uh bendis did them right too yeah Bendis mm-hmm. was
1: really i think in my mind the first one who really individualized.
3: yeah them. and giving them personalities and you know they all got different haircuts too. different like. haircuts like that i think that was really fun and that that's one of those things with you know with don of x that felt a little regressive to me is like now they've gone back to like being totally content with just being you know the saint which didn't feel right being a twin
2: um i think that individuality is kind of one of the most important things people group me and my brother together a lot it's always Like you guys, you guys, you guys, even though it's just him or just me. So I kind of like it better
1: as them all having each individual um, kind of personalities. Yeah, and I loved that he gave them the different hair colors to make it easier to see visually because this is a visual medium. And, you know, in order to really help us tie the individual scenes that they're in to the characters, it was important. You know, being able to differentiate characters on the page is important. I mean, that was one of my biggest criticisms of Fallen Angels, the Dawn of X Fallen Angels, was that when you have have an artist who draws all the faces looking the same and you choose to design your panels to be extreme close-ups then i never know which character is talking because Mm. i can only see the part of them that you draw the same like it was very difficult to parse out like which character was which in at varying points of every issue of fallen angels
3: esme's definitely been you know a little bit different like she's the one that wears the black you know smock or whatever and then we see phoebe being developed with with the quentin choir storyline so i think it's just interesting that the other have no development at all right now like they just kind of feel like the extra so
4: yeah Mm
0: Hey everybody, so Nico here one last time, and I love these next three titles. From 2019 to 2020, Marvel released a handful of books under the Weapons Plus banner, including Weapons Plus Wolverine and Captain America, Weapons Plus Absolute Carnage, and Weapons Plus World War IV. There's a million reasons I love these books, not the least of which is the incredible backup team of Brute Force, a team of super soldier animals out of the Weapons Plus project. They are hysterical and they are amazing, and it actually featured some early David Baldon art for X fans So if you want to see some work that came out before X-Factor, you might want to check this one out. And it did lead the team to saying a few things that we really enjoyed. Number one, we now need a Gail Simone, David Baldon, Domino brute force book. And we'd never realized the number of comparisons between Captain America and the Titanic before. So we hope you guys enjoy this next segment. Now, as always, if you guys like what you hear, you'll probably like what you see. So give us a subscribe over on YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon. We would love it if you guys dropped us a review over on Apple podcasts and don't forget to subscribe while you're over there guys until next time enjoy this last segment keep those mutant lights lit those cone gateways open and we'll see you
5: hello everyone and welcome to the next segment of x's for podcast i'm rod you can find me at rod comma the on twitter and instagram And today we have with us Raven.
6: Hello, it's Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento. D-A-M-E-R-E-D-B-E-N-T-O. Go ahead and find me over on Twitter, on Twitch. I'm doing a bunch of new stuff coming out in the next couple months, and I can't wait to see you all there. And with us, we also have Nico Action.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm Nico Action, and you guys can find me wherever I am. No, you guys can find me at Nico Action on Twitter and Instagram. That's N I C O A C T I O N. I feel like I should say somebody like, and today we have with us Robbie. And then like Robbie should just come in and be like, "Hey, everybody, it's Robbie." Like
5: <laughs> he bursts like the Kool Aid Man. Right? Seriously?
0: Oh yeah. There's times I'm editing you guys, and like you're all having this really casual conversation, and Robbie just comes in and he's like, "I'd cut a bitch," and I'm like, "What just happened?" <laughs> yeah,
5: it's it's very random. I love it. Oh, he's so great. Yeah.
0: Now, it kind of seems a little bit today like I'm filling in for Robbie, right? Because I came to Rod and Raven and I said, guys, listen, I love these three random issues from a couple of years ago, and I really think you guys might like them too. And these are the Weapons Plus stories that Marvel produced a couple of years back. Now, the first one that they released was a Captain America Wolverine story called Wolverine Captain America Weapons Plus Number 1. This book was by Ethan Sachs and Dogenes Neves. And from there, we're going to be taking a look at Absolute Carnage Weapons Plus number one by Jed McKay and Stefano Raphael. And lastly, we're going to be taking a look at the comic that changed the way I feel about anthropomorphic super animal stories for the rest of time. Weapon Plus, World War 4. Now, Weapon Plus, World War Four's main story, Weapon 4, is by the very familiar writer of Benjamin Percy, and if you're any fan of the Buffy continuation comics, George Ginti is the penciler on this initial story, and he was the main penciler on Season 8. Now, from there, there's a backup story that's, like, the best backup story in the history of comics, and that's Weapon H by Ryan Caddy, and none other than David Baldon, who is pretty much one of this team's, like, Megastan people like this group x's for podcast are so obsessed with this guy and it blows my mind that i never connected this story that i love and his art in it before like i was rereading it for this and i was blown away but okay i'm getting way ahead of myself i've read these a few times i'm pretty sure this was your guys first time with these stories overall how do you guys feel about the weapon plusification of the marvel universe i found it interesting
5: yeah like it it was definitely interesting
6: yeah it's not something you could have like easily predicted and they didn't go with um characters or storylines that were like super predictable or something that's been rehashed and rehashed and rehashed so like when you see the pairings and some of the some of the new uh characters that have been created by the weapons plus project they feel new instead of being oh yeah I've seen this villain like four or five times before okay they're back from the dead yet again it's like oh okay this is this is a new hero this is a new i had not seen this before so yeah it was really interesting and i think some of them even predicted future events that i didn't know had had some backstory to them yeah if-
5: i i would say I, I i was a little biased when i say that i was like oh weapon x okay uh sure i mean weapon plus okay sure i'll read it let's see what this is about because i know it's like this wolverine and Captain america <laughs> but that was actually one of my favorite ones too and it was actually really good. I was really compelled. I want more. Like, I'm invested in these three stories now. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want more of what what did, Cap- what did Captain America Wolverine do? What does that Hulk Wolverine guy do next? Like, what about his yeah. family? And then this, uh, the man thing guy? Like, where is he yeah. now? <laughs> I need to know I- these things.
0: I'm Brave. so with you, a thousand percent. First of all, Hulk Weapon H is like one of my favorite recent creations. I went on this catch-up-on-everything kick, and that Weapon X run by Greg Pak that ties into Totally Awesome Hulk that gives you Hulk Marines so good, so compelling, and then he has a three-issue miniseries that intersects with Hulk during the era of Immortal Hulk. So there's a lot to love with that character and a lot of great points to intersect with him. And I'm so glad you brought up a story that maybe feels like it touches on some other stuff, because if you're mentioning that because of Captain America and Wolf. Wolverine Wolverine, along with Phantom X and just how incredibly similar parts of that felt to giant size X-Men this past year. I'm really with you. Now, there's- another- I'm actually
6: talking about another point.
0: Oh, damn. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Okay, so I'm talking
6: about um, in Weapon X Absolute Carnage, they have an asset uh, that they find called Grendel, or the Grendel Entity, that is tied to a Black God, or a God of the Ever Black, and it has a high Mind and that I was like, is this a precursor to King in Black? Yes, yes,
5: it is. I will. So um yeah actually this was hinting back at what already has happened
6: Um, oh okay
5: because like the grendel gets woken up because the military is dumb Mm -hmm. um and that like the venom eddie brock has to fight him with the old symbiote guy and defeats the grendel but not before it basically awakens Noel. and that's what starts absolute carnage Mm -hmm. because carnage gets enthralled with that and like is bowing to noel as his new god and wants to destroy mm-hmm. everything and that's why he's getting all the spines out to like free Noel to w- awake him because he has to get all the like codexes it's a whole crazy ass thing and I, that's <laughs> why I loved this story because I mean like you see yeah. the carnage. you see literally no pun intended the carnage
6: the <laughs> absolute carnage <laughs> yeah like- and I was like I recognize I recognize some of the embolisms and whatnot I was like, Oh, I know that symbol. I think I've seen some of that kind of stuff
0: before. Yeah, the swirly thing.
5: Yeah, Yeah. the swirly thing. (laughs) Y'all need to read Venom and Absolute Absolute Carnage event. It's fun. Nice.
0: I was so happy to see Jed McKay. He's a guy who I just like... I love everything Jed I've ever read, and I don't know how he doesn't have more work. So seeing his name on this made my day, because this is just something that, like, it was one of the first things I said I want to read when I picked up comics. I said, you know, Weapon Plus, that's New X-Men, Grant Morrison, I'm going to read this. And so Jed was one of the first writers that welcomed me back to comics without even knowing it, and it was just so nice to come back to it. Jed
5: McKay is one of my favorite um, writers right now, even though he doesn't have as much work as the people i mean he just finished a tax master's uh solo which was really good if you haven't read it i would suggest reading it. it gives you a different look on taskmaster i mean his black cat he basically reinvented felicia hardy uh-huh. and i mean uh, one of his like more past projects that he did was daughters of the dragon oh which so is good with misty knight and colleen wing yeah that's a really good story that i recommend anyone to read
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask an interesting question of both of you, right? Mm -hmm. Have both of you or either of you read Grant Morrison's New X-Men?
6: Yes. I think I
0: have. I believe it times out with exactly where you were reading, so I'm under the impression Mm -hmm. you have as well. Yeah, I'm
6: pretty sure that I have... But yeah, it was a
0: a while ago. It was a little while ago. It establishes the timeline of the Marvel Universe as the Weapon Plus project having been actually behind the creation Mm -hmm. of Captain America, as Captain America was Weapon Zero. Mm -hmm. And there's this grand tradition of moving the Weapon X project kind of throughout the Marvel Universe. Now, true, Weapon X is absolutely responsible for Hulk Vereen, but Mm -hmm. I loved how Hulk Vereen was the star of the Absolute Carnage story. This weird fucking man thing, Carrie. Character that I am so obsessed with. What the fuck was that kid man thing? That was like man thing at a right? frat party. I loved that guy. <laughs> right? We had him leading through World War Four. And we had Phantom X representing a huge portion of Wolverine and Captain America Weapon Plus. How did you guys feel about the sort of Marvel team up nature of what was going on here? Did you guys kind of did you guys accept that all of these people would organically intercept or interact with this organization? Or was that maybe the part that was harder to swallow?
6: Honestly, that was easier for me to accept, at least with, uh, like, Captain America and Wolverine, because both of them were experimented on. And, I mean, you know, we've seen how it's you know been a thing, especially in, in Logan's life, how the experimentation has been a thing all the time, and people are constantly trying to get his healing factor or figure out what his mutant abilities are and how they can use them. So yeah, I can absolutely see that. And yeah, I mean, C- C- Captain Rogers was uh, taken out by ice for a number of years, so I could see where if your biggest, strongest, best weapon suddenly went uh, MIA for, you know, some like 80 odd years, how you'd be like, oh, oh, crap, we lost the the one good thing that we had gotten some success with. Of course, we've got to try and build more. And, of course, that would drag him back into the whole scheme of things. So, yeah, I could see see the team-ups working together. Maybe not for the long term because their personalities are so different, but at least for the short term, I could see them working together. And I believe Captain America and Logan both fought in World War II, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
0: and it's uh, showcased in one of my all-time favorite Uncanny X-Men issues, Mm X-Men 267 or 268. Uh, I also have never realized until you put it so distinctly that we should start referring to Captain America as Titanic because they both got taken out by a block of ice.
5: Oh my god. (laughs) Has no one made that reference before? Wow. Have have Nico literally discovered something new today. How yeah. has no one said that already? That's
0: crazy. I feel like you got to add a new square to the uh, periodic table because I just made something so essential to the elements of reality that we just need to take a step back, take a day off, and hire <laughs> it. Wow. Uh, we uh, all have to just rest. We do. Um. Welcome to Sunday. Now how do you feel, Rod? Do you think that these characters all fit together? And I'm dying to know your thought on this badass man thing, man.
5: Yes, I will first I will say about like Captain America and Wolverine, I've seen them a lot together. I think they I think they balance each other out. They definitely like have a love-hate relationship with each other Uh, because captain america is all like you know i'm gonna respect you because you're a human being but also like you're trash and you're not like a good person (laughs) but wolverine's like i will respect you because you're you know captain america but you're also you're like too goody and but i always like their team ups even though it can be a little like annoying because they just work well with each other they have good chemistry and I love the way that I don't know anything about the Weapon H guy. I know of Hope Verine guy. Yeah, I know of him. I've tempted to read it, I his story. I definitely want to now because this story was written very well. And I like his little backstory with his family. But the thing that I was most skeptical about, I feel like, was the man thing. Because I was like, oh, this isn't man thing. What is this? Hmm, let me see. But I like that it kind of like in the middle of the story kind of gives like an annihilation feel i don't know if y'all seen that movie yes Uh, with yes um, with natalie portman yeah Mm -hmm. um it was when i was reading this i was like oh this is annihilation i was like did this comic come out first or did annihilation come out first i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) if if this comic came out first then i think annihilation copied them but it was i th- i liked it a lot i liked that he had to like basically um kill his brother to show like empathy and i like just so his brother wouldn't be experimenting on like him it was very like down the military this whole thing was and comics like doing that a lot <laughs>
6: oh yeah yeah no i absolutely love the man thing uh, storyline and it was great because it, a lot of it is based in science um if you've ever heard of the honey forest it's it, basically it's a it's a mushroom forest it is one continuous mushroom that is just you know spread out over i think centuries at this point and is the largest organism um on earth and yeah like it has all these these little cilia, it basically runs beneath the floor of the forest. And that's why it's a continuous entity. And yeah, it communicates very quickly within its structure, like what's going on. And that's, that's the nature of mushrooms. So I'm just like, oh, they actually did some research on this. Cause this, this is actually uh, some of the stuff that mushrooms can do or fungus can do. And I'm like, oh, they did a, they did a wonderful job on it. I think they, they, they oh, I loved it. I really, really did love it.
0: And you know, I love, I God, fuck me. I love our team. And <laughs> Here's what it is that makes me love our team so much, right? I can only see sort of my inherent perspective. I grew up on war comics, right? Like I grew up on old World War II military style comics. I was really attached to Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos as much as I was attached to Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And mm-hmm. that sort of rich history of military comic I sometimes take for granted the constructs of a military comic in a way that I don't even realize. Like, I've gotten much better about recognizing deeply problematic tropes in the stories, such as invader syndrome and or, you know, the betrayal of a native people by, you know, utilizing their uh, beliefs against them. Like, you know, those things stand out to me, but I hadn't even considered he would have to kill his brother as an element of a military comic, but you know what? Yeah, that's actually a thousand percent an element of a military comic. You're absolutely Absolutely right. And then Raven, you start talking about how this is all about, you know, like, it's actually environmentally sound kind of sort of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I immediately flashed to the British invasion comics of Vertigo in the late 80s, where things like ley lines and the idea of a giant single spore uh, were intrinsic to these sort of metaphors of elementalism. And mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm fucked Because what I saw was Ben Percy say I love Grant Morrison's new X-Men Which he really does, and who can blame mm-hmm. him And I flashed to Logan Having to kill Gene In space mm-hmm. as a mercy Killing, and the whole mm-hmm. idea Of what monsters we become To save whom, and There was just this idea of uh, Sort of like the betrayal Of what you know in it, oh man I really, I also really like how different your guys takes are because one of the things that makes this set of books really special is by having this open idea this come enter and get what you will from it it makes it a lot more open to interpretation Mm -hmm. i personally see these stories as science stories like to me they Mm -hmm. are sort of experimentation stories but yeah the trappings of the war story the trappings of the environmentalism story. I really love those perspective. What kind of genre do you feel these guys best exemplify? Do you guys feel these are superhero stories or does the war narrative really overtake the, the general idea of the books?
6: Mm, for me it's deeper than just being a war story. It is it's social commentary on how mm. some things just seem very unconnected, but much like the mushroom village, everything is connected, even below the surface, even more so below the surface. Everything is c- connected. So, like, his brother was sort of running the animals and the people and whatnot. The, the forest was communicating with itself and even though they looked like individual entities walking around doing their thing when when something important was in danger, they of course immediately sent in things to block the way or to lead them off the path and to me it's all about the interconnectivity of this kind of dark organization or this, this plot to use uh, experimentation to create these super soldiers. So it was kind of one of those things like look below the surface things have been going on longer than you think and they're more connected than you would first believe them to be.
5: Uh, Yeah I definitely agree with that. I would say my take on like all three issues is kind of combined would be like action sci-fi drama because like you get that with each issue you get the the action because you know captain america and wolverine are fighting and then you get the sci-fi because phantom x is there but you also get the drama of phantom x because he's annoying little shit but he's <laughs> so fun to love i love him i um, love him. i want i want to kind of do naughty things to him um I, i'm kind of like betsy i was attracted to him when i read um uncanny x-men with rick remender i liked him a lot yeah. or Uncanny right
0: Force. He was definitely Um, one of the best things about that run.
4: Oh,
5: definitely. But even, I think the story that spoke to me, I mean, I really like the Swamp Thing guy and I love Brute Force. I know we haven't gotten to that yet, but Mm -hmm. still. Um, Mm -hmm. But the one that really spoke to me the most, and I like to say this, I might be biased, um, (laughs) (laughs) because it was the absolute carnage one. But I just love the relationship that the Hulk Marine guy had with his mother-in-law. And I love that like they during this whole story that's the more like drama aspect of it that they don't like each other because he's not good enough but then he saves her and I love that Jen McKay keeps the, the mom the step, I mean, the mother-in-law alive and they yes. have this bonding moment at the end I'm like oh thank you for I was so
6: worried she's gonna die and I'm like no right. Let,
5: right. Him, let the family stay together please let's have some happy moments and I'm yeah happy. don't
6: I was so glad that they didn't fall into that trope of okay we just we, we kill off or we fridge somebody so that the uh the protagonist has a reason to move forward i was so glad they did not do that that was good storytelling going in different directions so yes that was loved it loved it loved it
5: and he and she hugged him as hulk vereen i want that framed in my house even though i'm not the biggest fan of it but it's so sweet and it's (laughs) It's pure comic books because mm-hmm. wa- that little woman hugging that big old thing—that's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> I
0: mean, you know what? Like, in order to make those hugs work, everybody's arms have to stretch a little bit. Like, right. if you think about like animated characters, and like, I love super deformed characters. Like, that's specifically mm-hmm. like my genre. I like cutie deformed. So, like the ex Babies, right? Mm-hmm. Right? They right, all right. have such stubby ass arms. How the fuck can Winnie the Pooh hug anybody? How the fuck <laughs> can Winnie the Pooh hug fucking anybody you know how magic right so like i'm kind of okay with it and it's the magic of friendship you know i need right. to take an enormous step back and give jed mckay more credit than i even realized i just read all of hulk Verine, like from his introduction through his final miniseries that he had before this and jed mckay is like the second person to ever write this character and having just read the creators nearly every page Jed does such a fluid perfect job that you would have never thought this was not the original writer on the character and you know that's not to say that he wrote a Greg Pack comic but his understanding of a character who had frankly a limited number of appearances is so exquisite right and that's one of the things you know Rod I hadn't even considered that like I forget that not I really do forget that everybody doesn't love wolverine the way i do so that like (laughs) so when i'm like everybody time to time to read some wolverine you know and i hope everybody gets the reference but has everybody seen the wolverine is actually two batmans kissing image
5: (laughs) yeah i have seen it
0: so whenever i'm like you guys want to read some wolverine and people like ugh, wolverine i'm like okay what if i told you that it's secretly two gay batmans walking in tandem you know (laughs) what i mean like Uh, You know, I I just want people to read Wolverine. It's it's what I love, right? But if nobody wants to read it, I accept that. I forget how varied a character he is because I just Mm -hmm. skip the Wolverine I don't like. Like if it's bad Wolverine, I just don't read it. Like there's so (laughs) there's just so much fucking Wolverine, right? Now I do
5: love me some Wolverine though. Like don't get me wrong. Like he is a good character. I just think he's been he's in too much. Oh yeah. Put him in. Put him in less. And I'll appreciate him more.
0: Oh, I agree. If, you know, one of my favorite jokes ever is, if less is more, imagine just how much more, more is. So (laughs) I think that's the mistake they make with Logan all the time. And, you know, I love that Logan and Wolverine, that Logan and Wolverine fuck me in the face. I love that Captain America banter dynamic. And, you know, you said Mm -hmm. it so well before, Rod, where they balance each other beautifully And I think there really is a symmetry to them that made that first story so compelling that the other stories, by being solos in nature, really kind of lacked. And I wonder if perhaps we would have seen more of these if they'd had a few more major characters like Wolverine and Captain America working together. I know I wouldn't have minded seeing how this man thing connects to man thing personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that could have helped bring up sales. I don't know but what do you guys think? Do you think these could have benefited from slightly bigger names or did you love the relative obscurity? I kind of
6: enjoyed the obscurity because it, it didn't feel like, oh yeah, I could just go out and buy like a hundred comics with, you know, all their names already plastered on it and just, you know, that kind of thing. This felt more curated. It felt like it was like, almost almost like a side quest. <laughs> and I mean that like <laughs> in the best way possible. It felt like hey, you got to Yuki see this like is a little- is a side
0: quest. Right?
6: <laughs> But I mean, it felt like you got to see something different with characters you couldn't readily predict what their personalities, their powers, or the way they would operate is like when you get the team of X-Men together, you pretty much know who's who, what's what, what's going to happen. It's, it's wonderfully predictable and it's very nostalgic and, and you love it. But sometimes I like a little bit of unpredictability and this gave me that and I was very happy for it.
5: I actually have to, I, I really agree with that raven i i didn't even think about that before i love that your perspective on that because i was i didn't know anything about um the hope Vereen or the swamp thing i mean none of us did because that's mm-hmm. his first appearance but still um <laughs> our man thing Ooh, wrong 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 company um <laughs> but
0: i'm with you i, I kept doing it earlier <laughs> i know i was like i
5: i can't have to tell myself say man thing say it say it all right so <laughs> I agree that the stories I feel like were good enough on their own with these characters because it really made these characters shine and the story shine in itself. Mm -hmm. But not everyone thinks that way. And Mm -hmm. that's why we get books that have Wolverine and the blank, Batman and the blank, um, you know, Captain America and the blank. Like these are, those are key characters that -hmm. will sell books. So I do agree that, hey, if if we had some more key characters in these books, we probably have more by now. Of the story, but would that make the story better? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: Now, I really appreciate that you uh, accidentally said the other company. If for no other reason, I specifically have a mental image of a. So, okay, at one point they were trying to better establish man thing i'm sorry oh my god see they were trying to better establish swamp thing in his own title again <laughs> and not just as john constantine's backup character so they created like like a shitty nasty mean little fucker version of swamp thing that was like a mystical uk version named jack sprat and <laughs> <laughs> he oh god like he he was just like an awful little version of swamp thing and I kind of like this guy as the Marvel version of that, and not shitty. So, okay. yeah. Now, okay, I have I have worked really hard to stay really calm and <laughs> just organically get to it there's no benefit in in charging in too fast but you did really good (laughs) i've worked so hard and i would like to discuss a story from the last book that we have on tap today weapon h by ryan caddy and david Baldon, with jesus albertov on colors features what is probably my favorite motherfucking superhero team maybe ever Fruit of the brute force are guys okay there there's a trope of like super animals like that's a thing right like we three by grant morrison and frank quietly which is basically homeward bound in iron man suits right mm-hmm. and that's like a trope in comics but guys this is the best version of that trope ever I can't I can't fucking stress enough how much I love these goddamn characters it is a an incredible combination of characters we have a bird named Soar. We have a badass kangaroo named Hip-Hop. Oh my god! (laughs) We have have a dolphin motherfucker named Dr. Echo. Uh, (laughs) And then we have my absolute final fucking form. Okay? Like... I want to be reckless so bad.
6: Oh, my God.
0: And there's also Lionheart, who is equally awesome, but they are a bear and a lion, uh, respectively. Guys, 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 <laughs> guys, guys.
5: So, Nico, you said you wanted to be reckless. Now, what else were you talking about? The name, too? Okay. Right? Right? <laughs>
0: I, I'm like I, I guys, I can't even tell you they are color coded animal super fuckers. I just I love can't.
5: them so much. I, I honestly just love them so much. I, I so I first saw them in the Disney Plus uh, thing. That the the animated
0: short, yeah. Yeah,
5: that was really cool with the actors. They were pretending to hire them for the thing. I wish it wasn't pretend after reading this especially because yeah. can you imagine, like this would be so fun to watch on TV. This is oh my absolutely God. ridiculous and I love it.
6: Dude, you could finally bring furries into cosplay. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: And like it's Iron Man furries, right? They're like, Yeah, no, no, I and d- no, and
6: it's like I I did not mean that as a diss. I meant that in the best way. Yeah. This was so much fun. Like, these were incredible. This was great. I was uh oh, I was all over it and oh my god, what happened to Doctor Echo? I'm like, No Doctor Echo is my
5: favorite one and then he died and I was like, oh, I'm not okay. Nico
6: made me read this and my favorite character died. Right? <laughs> right? I'm like what, could, what Kind okay, of the Disney hand bullshit is this. What are you doing, killing the best one? I don't, I was like, animals are supposed to die. What is Marvel doing?
0: <laughs> now, I just want to point out how fucking spectacular these characters are. In case anybody is unaware, they first appeared in August of 1990 in a four-part miniseries called Brute Force. And they were later on retconned uh, over the course of this multi-parter into having been part of the Weapons Plus program. They have had a very scant number of appearances. They've appeared in a handful of books such as... the Deadpool biannual from 1994. The Ziggy Pig Silly Seal Comic is celebrating 80 years of Marvel. There have not been a tremendous number of Appearances. Hold on, guys. I have to investigate something. Whoa. No, you're good. Hold on. Is this this cannot act? I mean,
6: tell tell me that you saw the Easter eggs in uh, Absolute Carnage and Wolverine, Captain America, where you saw brute force.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that connectivity. It's such a beautiful little way, like that they were building towards something.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: I did not see that. <laughs>
6: yeah. So, so at one point in Absolute Carnage you see them operating on a bear and putting like cybernatics and oh, stuff. Yes, 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 yes. But then also you you get to see Dr. Younger who's uh he's reading brute force comic books from like the nineties as he's you know sitting and watching the mayhem that's going on. And in uh Captain America and Wolverine in that one, you actually see uh, tanks uh, with them in the background. So these big green tanks uh, that, that they walk into, and I think it's like in the Swiss Alps or something. Oh, I didn't notice the tank yeah. before. Yeah, and like, yeah, the bear that springs out and tries to kill them. There's Doctor Echo and Reckless, and you could see uh, Hip Hop. Like, yeah, you could see them all kind of there in the background. Um, And also, if you look up on the chalkboard, it says "Delayed Projects." Brute Force is right there, like at the top.
5: That's right. Uh, That's right there. Oh my gosh, I just slipped my mind. And I oh, I forgot when he killed the bear. It said,
0: "Thank you."
5: Okay, guys,
0: I have to send this into the group chat right this minute. Think about about the fact that Ben Percy wrote the issue that has Brute Force in it. I'm going to show you an image from X-Force 17 in the group chat. I'm about to pass the fuck out. I'm about about to pass the fuck out. I'm about to pass the fuck out. Well, post
6: it first and then pass out.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's in the thing. This Met Grizzly of the Commander.
0: What? Oh my God! There's a reference to brute force in X Four Seventeen. There's oh my a god. reference to brute force. Oh shit! That is so cool. He's definitely a weapon expert. There's no question. Yeah. That is the weapon no X no yes. here. Oh my fucking god!
5: I am so happy. I forgot all about that, and it just came out too. I forgot.
0: Oh, oh, wow! I am fucking floored right now, you guys. That is the craziest shit I have seen in some time. And oh my god, I love it. Oh,
6: I freaking so love cool.
0: Easter eggs. Oh yeah,
6: I
5: mean, uh, just I love it so much. We need we uh, we just need to have like a uh, episode of where we see all the Easter eggs we can find in anything.
6: <laughs>
5: that would be take too long but still it'd be fun <laughs> <laughs> but i
6: love it that is like some of the best
5: i need benjamin percy to write well or someone else that's not already doing like three books um, right, right. A, brute, a, brute, a brute force comic like come on yeah give us at least another mini it doesn't have to be like an ongoing but like come on
0: right and i mean i'd be willing to see them show up in the pages of x force not to be too silly but i feel like there is room for animal people in a book where we're constantly fighting plant people. True. Yeah. And, True. you know, like, Brute Force has the potential to be really cool and really silly. There's a reason they appeared with Deadpool. That's a great partnership. That's a great, you know, pairing. I would love to see them get some life. I mean, they're not mutants, so they probably can't be on Krakoa, but maybe they're mutant animals. We know that non-human mutant species are welcome on Krakoa, so perhaps, like, warlocks who is a mutant of the of the technarchy so perhaps perhaps there's room for some mutant animals like brute force on krakoa home to all i,
5: I feel okay. like speaking to Nico's heart i feel like forge would have a good time with them oh my and god make, yes and make it so they could talk
0: Oh, I believe that in a heartbeat. Because, you know, number one, he's already a spirit talker. That's, you know, he is a... Oh, true. ...powerful tribesman. And, you know, I feel like there's a million levels on which... Not only is this story adorable, but David Baldon is such a talented artist. Like, he, def- oh, yeah. he definitely loves to play into things that people like. Now, I'm not saying that in order like X-Men, you have to be really horny for gay things. But <laughs> you might notice that a lot of people who like X-Men are really, really horny for gay things. And I only bring that up because Reckless is kind of like, well, he's kind of like a big gay bear. And that's... A really, it's just such an interesting thing that David Baldone is so capable of taking this aesthetic. Take a look at Dawkin; how Dawkins is such an aesthetic, he's such an aesthetic character. He is so based on hyper exaggerated proportions, and I feel like there's something so powerful to the, the uh, transformational quality of his pencil. You know, I'm not like, I, I, I don't know how else to put it, I'm sadly not a furry, but if I were a furry, I'd like to think <laughs> I'd really like this or something you know what i mean i just really think there's something so powerful to see a penciler i love so much have worked on something i never would have associated him with because the subject matter is just so different than what i'm used to for
5: oh yeah definitely i would say i'm also um sadly or not not a furry because i cannot be in i can barely wear a onesie and not have, take it off almost immediately because i sweat too much i'm overheated I can't do that. I don't like being hot. (laughs) I'm
0: with you completely, completely.
5: (laughs) But yes, I would love to see a group of like cosplaying furries actually do this and become like a whole team. And like, I know, hey, if people listen to this show, if you, if you are a furry, get your furry friends, design shit, be that group at the next convention that's happening. What? in Like Thanksgiving or something? I don't know. Um, but do it. You have time. You will be an
0: internet sensation. Gail Simone and David Baldon should do Domino and Brute Force.
5: Oh my oh god, my yes, god. please. Yes, she would have so much fun with them.
0: Right? Oh, it would be such a perfect building so of their minds.
5: <gasps> mm-hmm. oh, she has to work at Brute Force because they have to go save her puppy.
0: Yes, period, yes. No. Diamondback is there. So, Gail, call us. <clears throat> and
5: Where, where is Diamondback? First of all, okay. I just she, I had to say that.
0: She just showed up in Deadpool's Nerdy Thirty.
5: Okay. Well then she needs to show up more, but
0: yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> So, here's my question for you guys. It sadly does look as though this line of comics is not going to continue. The last time we saw the publication of one of these was just before the pandemic, and it was World War Four by Benjamin Percy and George Gentis. Now, I would really love it if they were able to come back to this and tell us a few more stories, but even if not, I was wondering, what would you guys have wanted to see? Knowing the great vast fortune of the weapons program, I don't need to see more logan or more victor i would probably love to see something else that took place around the time of x-23 and have x-23 stuff be in the background of this other experiment and focus on that just kind of take uh, another approach to another era what about you guys would you want to see something closer to the history of weapons plus or would you guys want to see something bold and new altogether the way Ben Percy gave us, uh, you know, frat thing. (laughs)
6: I kind of want to see a combination of both because I believe it's always kind of been a combination of both you have the stuff that's very much seen and in the public eye like you know uh, X-23 Wolverine uh, Steve Rogers as the super soldier like you've got those things that are very much at the forefront because they've been brought out but I'd love to see some of the stuff that's also still behind the scenes or still kept very hush hush and quiet like you know Hulkverine or uh, yeah the man frat thing um or even you know something it was you know otherwise like give us some of the new blend it with some of the old and like give us some some like an in-depth story because it would be amazing to get a kind of a, a shadow society kind of story running through marvel it'd be awesome
5: oh yes i definitely agree i feel like we need i feel like we need two more issues we need mm-hmm. one more or maybe three but maybe but i'm gonna say two so two issues the the second to last issue is like a two-part story one with one more um weapon x i mean weapon plus because i don't think we've seen all the weapons have we the Mm-mm. one through ten we need one no. more with that one needs to be psychic so they can group all the people together all right Ooh, like a okay. they can talk to like that. Uh,
0: like like the stepford cuckoos yeah like that mm-hmm.
5: that needs to be happening. and then the the backstory would be like an x-23 uh, thing because i want to see her mixed into it and then the last issue would basically be everybody coming together like the psychic person gets with captain america and logan and then logan they mm-hmm. get they recruit the Hope Verine and the swamp thing i mean the man thing guy Woo. and <laughs> and they get laura too because she's a part of x-23 and they and get
0: Donna troy they get,
5: <laughs> <laughs> and then they take down finally the weapon plus, like they they gut that that one dude that's evil, the white guy. Yeah, well, they that really him. narrows
0: it down. That one evil. I know. White guy.
5: <laughs> they put his they put his head on a spike towards the end, and then they all just walk down the road with a sunset with brute force, like somewhere in there, and they're mm-hmm. just like la la la, and then oh oh oh, and Logan and and Laura are like, hey brute force. Y'all will come to koa because we can keep y'all safe. And then we see them Great. later. And then yeah. we go.
0: I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. And like, I'm like, I don't want to say like, I'm a sucker for anything that goes back to Grant Morrison's new X-Men, but you know, yes, you are. I am. <laughs> I, Admit it. We love you for it. Yeah. You know, I'm proud to be, you know, I'm proud to be a mega fan Stan of one of the first runs that really worked to evolve the X-Men. And I, I just genuinely love this idea of tapping into the potentiality of the Weapons Plus program and yeah, even pulling together some of the disparate threads. We've seen bits of it over the years, but I think we deserve a bit more. Yeah,
6: I was looking at some of the uh, the emblems at the end of the Wolverine Captain America and it's brute force. It's a man thing. It's uh venom and then the headband like that looks like it's from uh, Luke Cage and I'm just trying to figure out the comedy and tragedy maths so yeah we've seen two four five looks like we need to see six and nine so yeah there's there's like they're telling us that there's more story out there i want to see that story Like straight up.
0: Yeah, I mean, Marvel, please hear us. Hear us beg and hear us call. We would love to see more of this. And even if it's digital exclusive, that would even be a great way to start pushing digital exclusive while still keeping the same company line.
5: Mm -hmm. I definitely agree, 100%.